1: Hello,
2: everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. I missed doing my podcast last week. It came down with a terrible case of bronchitis and just couldn't shake it. But now I'm back covering the topic I had planned for last week, talking about rewards and punishments, their downfalls, and what to do instead. These reward and punishment systems are everywhere. They permeate our culture. They always have been and continue to be popular in a lot of schools today, and most of us grew up with these in our homes. So it's just what we know. It's what we are familiar with. I actually just did a Pinterest search on rewards and punishments as I was preparing to do this episode, and many of the things that came up from a child development perspective were absolutely cringeworthy. Listen, there's some great parenting advice out there, but there's also some really bad and frankly damaging advice out there too. So I'm going to share all about these today so you can be very educated in this area and know how to avoid it in the home and how to minimize the damage when they are used in other ways, from sports programs to schools. Alfie Cohn is a well-known and respected developmental psychologist, and he says in his book, Punished by Rewards, what rewards and punishments do is induce compliance, and this they do very well indeed. But if your objective is to get long-term quality in the workplace, to help students become careful thinkers and self-directed learners, or to support children in developing good values, then rewards, like punishments, are absolutely useless. In fact, as we are beginning to see, they are worse than useless. They are actually counterproductive. So that was one of the things that Alfie Kohn has to share about rewards and punishments. So in order to address the pervasive culture of rewards and punishments, the first step is to understand what they are and the negative outcome to using them. Once we understand this, we are ready to try to do things differently. Then we need to know what are these better ways? And I'll cover all of this along with a great question that came in a few weeks ago on just this subject. First, Rewards and punishments are a behavior-based approach that was studied by many, but a man named B.F. Skinner first took this study to the next level by studying reinforcements or ways of reinforcing behavior. Now explaining the scientific terms and how this all works is basically at least a full class session from intro to psychology. So without getting into that kind of detail, I'm going to explain the very basics of how rewards and punishments work. There are different kinds of reinforcers in behavior. There's a positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. Again, without going into crazy detail, the most important things to take away from all this research is that each of these rewards and punishments do work to alter behavior, some better than others, for varying lengths of time depending on many factors, such as the child's temperament, the reinforcement used, etc., but there are several downfalls to rewards and punishment systems. First, let's think about what is motivating the change of behavior. If a child changes his or her behavior because she is afraid she will lose her favorite toy, is it because she learned a lesson, or is it because she doesn't want to lose the toy? When she goes out in life and has no one to dangle that punishment over her, will she still make the right choices? When it comes to punishment, This has been a way that has been a popular method of trying to teach lessons in behavior, but research shows it is the least effective method. In other words, punishment is the least effective way to get changes in behavior. In addition, punishment also has a lot of negative side effects. Jane Nelson, who wrote lots of books on positive discipline, calls these the four R's. First, punishment tends to build resentment. This comes in when the punishment feels unfair or like an adult is just wielding power to show who's boss or to get compliance. Depending on the child's temperament or how deeply the resentment builds, the second negative is that revenge can set in. The child thinks I've been treated unfairly and now I will get even. Another side effect is rebellion. I'll do what I want to do anyway and in many cases, it comes with sneakiness. I'll get even, but I'll also just get really sneaky about it so I don't get caught. The fourth R, the last negative of punishment, is it can result in reduced self-esteem for kids who see themselves as bad rather than their behavior as unacceptable. If a child starts to feel like a bad person, then the cycle is even more likely to perpetuate. He sees himself rather than his behavior as bad, so he acts poorly, getting more punishment, which reinforces to him that he is in fact a bad person. Punishment does not teach us how to think. It doesn't teach values or morals or judgment. It teaches what to think. Do because I said so. Do so you don't get in trouble, rather than doing or not doing something for the higher moral reasons, for teamwork, for cooperation, for helping others rather than hurting others. So I'm also going to take a minute to discuss consequences. I've talked about consequences as a tool parents can use. Isn't this just punishment dressed up to sound better? The answer is sometimes, depending on how it's delivered. This is why it's important that consequences be related. We all know that when you are a responsible adult, And that's what we all want to raise, responsible adults, that life comes with some unpleasant tasks. We have to clean and cook and pay bills and pay fines if we speed or do something we shouldn't. That's life. Is paying bills a punishment? No, it's paying for a service that we use. Is paying a fine for speeding punishment? Well, yes, it is. But that's life, and it's the best system we've come up with for helping citizens make safe choices. We would hope people would choose to make safe choices because they don't want to hurt another person or damage property, but that doesn't always happen. And so there are some punishments or punitive consequences in life. We want to raise those kids who make good choices because they understand the reasons behind those choices, not simply because they're trying to avoid punishment. Not doing something out of fear of punishment or doing something out of fear of punishment is the lowest level of morality. It puts morality in the hands of the person delivering the punishment. I know I'm getting a little deep into psychology so I'm gonna back out just a little bit. So what does this mean for setting consequences at home? First, as I've shared before and I share in the discipline classes on the website, consequences are generally a last resort because they can turn out to be punishment-like And we want our kids to make choices for reasons other than fear of punishment. And there also are so many other tools that can help teach and coach our kids to make better choices without pulling in a consequence. We use that consequence as a last resort when the other ones aren't working. Second, we want to coach kids on better behavior or on our expectations. Let's say our six-year-old got out a whole box of blocks and trains, and it's time to put things away. Expecting him to clean up before dinner is not a punishment. It's just life. We make a mess, we clean it up. We don't move on to something else until we've finished cleaning up our mess. It's life. In parenting, we call this a logical, positive consequence. It's logical because it follows logically that we clean up before moving on to the next thing. It's positive because the activity of following through on cleaning up is followed by a hopefully positive experience of eating dinner as a family. This is a life skill, a social grace and norm that we want to pass on. So we can coach about that, about why it's important to clean up. But in the end, dinner isn't served until everything is cleaned up. So I know this may sound a little confusing and muddy, but after I talk a little bit about rewards... But after I talk a little bit about rewards, then I'm going to pull it all together, and I think it will help clear up some of this if you're still confused, so bear with me. Let's take a look at the other side. If a child is promised a trip to the candy store, if he behaves well in the school that day, why is he behaving in school? Has either this child or the one who was treated with a punishment for noncompliance learned anything? Have they internalized the behavior? No, of course not. They're changing, if it works, for the reward or to escape punishment. Rewards and punishments teach kids to behave or act for the external motivators. All of these reward systems do one thing. They motivate children to work for the reward. As an adult and a mom of a
3: son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge. But finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed be life-changing with the right resources you can turn your adhd into your superpower done is an online adhd care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your adhd online visits refills and a 24 7 care team made for you starting to take care of your adhd is as easy as one taking a one minute free assessment to see if done can help two booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow. Three, start receiving ongoing care. Enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage and 24/7 care team support with done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as zero dollars. Unlock your path to better focus now at get.donefirst.com/podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions
2: apply. School sometimes offers points for reading and then rewards the kids with a party. So soon they read for the party, not for the sheer joy of learning to read, for becoming independent learners. And that's sad. I had a mom the other day Tell me that she offered her son a new stuffed animal if he dropped time off of one of his swimming events. No, just no. He should swim for the joy of swimming. Getting faster is the reward for the hard work at practice. Rewards actually backfire and make kids less likely and less interested in the task that teachers and parents are trying to motivate. Kids are less interested in reading, less interested in swimming, less interested in behaving, soon parents and teachers are pulling out bigger and bigger rewards just to get the same result. What I'm really talking about here is helping and guiding our kids to build an internal sense of motivation for their behavior. So keeping this in mind when coaching, guiding, teaching, and even in doling out consequences. Sometimes consequences are necessary, but they also come with a healthy dose of coaching. One day, my five-year-old daughter went to the neighbor's house to play, with my permission. But when I went to get her, she wasn't there. The neighbors weren't even home. Luckily, I ran into our neighbor boy coming to our house, who told me she had been playing at his house, but was now heading up the street to yet another neighbor's house. When I got there, she wasn't there either, and they weren't home. Now I'm getting mad, a little scared, and frustrated. Coming back, I see her walking home down the street. I'm fuming. I ask her where she's been and she tells me she had gone to yet another neighbor's house. So that was three, count them, three houses without letting me know without my permission at five years old. I grounded her for a week, but it's definitely a consequence, a related consequence. We'd had these talks in the past that if she leaves someone's house or someone isn't home, she's to come home before going to another house so we know where she is. So she understood this rule very well. I coached her a lot over the next week about the importance of me knowing where she is so I can walk her or check with the parents right away to make sure she made it over. I talked about how it's not that I don't trust her, but I don't trust other people in the world to take care of her, to have her best interest in mind. The consequence was given as a way of teaching her to make better choices. It was totally related to the behavior. I told her, if you can't be responsible enough to let me know where you are going, then you will not be allowed to go. It was used as a teaching tool. Where punishment or a consequence really falls down is when it is for revenge. You scared me. You disobeyed me. So now I must punish you. I must make you feel as bad as I do an eye for an eye. And that's not what this consequence was about at all. It was about teaching the lesson of being responsible to your parents to let them know where you are so that they can be sure to take care of you. So when doling out consequences, keeping the spirit of teaching and coaching and guiding for better behavior and giving the reasons why are very important. Keeping the spirit in mind will greatly reduce any chance that it is punishment or a consequence that will be more harmful than helpful. Now I'm going to take a minute to talk about those horrible behavior charts they use in schools and how you as a parent can counteract the negative effects of them. These are very popular in schools, so much so that I don't know of a school that doesn't use them, public, charter, or private school alike. If your child's school doesn't use them, consider yourself extremely lucky. These behavior charts are those charts they put in front of the class, and everyone starts on the neutral color at the beginning of the day, and they can move up or down depending on their behavior. It is a reward and punishment system. Not only that, it's put out there for the entire class to see. So if you mess up, not only do you get reprimanded, you get reprimanded so the entire class can see for the remainder of the day or until you do something to move back up. I hate this system. It's public humiliation, and depending on the child, it can be very damaging. Even if a child moves up, it's a reward. It's teaching the child to behave for the public recognition. In my kids' classes, at least in K and first, they get stickers for each day they're on a neutral or above. And then after they fill in their sticker chart, they get to go to the treasure box. My kids used to come home and tell me who got in trouble at school that day, and I would say, that's none of my business, and actually, it's none of yours either. Here's what can happen. Besides the external motivation for behavior, for kids who often find themselves in trouble, they, and often their peers, start to see themselves and that child as the kid who's always in trouble, or the troublemaker. And instead of making better choices, it can cause some kids To act out more. Now here's how you can help your kids navigate that system. Let your kids know your expectations for their behavior at school and why. I expect you to listen to your teacher, to be respectful to your peers, and then talk about why. The teacher is there to teach everyone. If you are not listening, you are disrupting everyone's opportunity to learn, and that is disrespectful. If your child does mess up, talk with him. Coach him about making better choices and why, but don't discipline at home for problems at school, except for coaching, especially for minor infractions like talking or not complying right away. If your child has ongoing issues with any aggression, whether it's physical or name calling, then that's a different and bigger issue to be addressed as a team with the teacher, administrators, and the parents together. Remind your child each morning about what she needs to work on at school that day ask her first, but if she doesn't remember, then you can remind. I let my kids know straight out that I don't agree with the behavior charts, that I expect them to be respectful at school and learn to make better choices, but that I don't agree with them having to move their names up or down in front of their classmates. I've also told my children's teachers that I don't like the behavior charts and why, just so that they know where I am coming from. And just like I shared with you, I let teachers know that I do expect my kids to be respectful and good students and friends, and that I do want to know about any problems in class so we can talk about it at home. So now for a question, which came in from Tom. Our six-year-old daughter has been having some trouble at school. As a background, she has a crayon pulled for misbehaving. When a crayon is pulled, they miss part of recess by walking the track for two minutes for each crayon pulled. Our daughter has had about five first-level crayons pulled so far this year for talking out of turn. We've talked to her at home about making good choices and listening. We've come to a point, though, where we felt that if she didn't begin to do as asked, there would be consequences at home. Then this past Tuesday, we received an email from her teacher, which said that she was teasing another classmate by calling her a nickname several times that this other student didn't like. She has never done this to another child, so we were really caught off guard. Here's my issue. You teach that a punishment should reflect on what the mistake was. I'm not sure how at home we are supposed to give a punishment, if at all, for bad decisions at school. She's a sweet girl who just likes to talk too much sometimes, and obviously calling someone names is not acceptable, and she showed true remorse. Looking for your thoughts on this and how to follow up at home with school issues. Thank you so much. So Tom and I actually talked on the phone for a bit about this, including me sharing a lot of the information that I already shared in this episode so far about punishments and reward systems and all of the issues that come along with those. But in addition, I shared with Tom that talking out of turn, especially in first grade, is very common. As a matter of fact, I have a talker in kindergarten who was coming home once or twice a week having been moved down in his class for continuing to talk after the teacher had asked everyone to listen up. So this is just a tough one for some kids. Everyone has their challenges, and this happens to be the one for both Tom's daughter and my son Chandler. So if this is their biggest issue, I'll definitely take it. I have done with Chandler just what I described earlier, coaching with him at home about why it's important to listen in class and respect the teacher. Then every morning before he left for school, I would ask, what are you going to work on in school today? And he would tell me, listening in class. It's now been over two weeks since he's been moved down. I expect it will happen every now and again and we'll keep reminding and coaching, but we are not doing it every day anymore. But without any consequences at home or harsh words, he's been able to focus and work on this particular area of struggle and make some real changes. I also shared with Tom, I don't like the idea of having to skip part of recess, even if they are walking the track. I feel it's delivered as punishment. It's not related, and it seems to be being used as a way to try and coerce and force compliance rather than helping children build a deeper understanding for increasing the behavior we want to see. I also need to take a moment here to share something. And while this doesn't totally fit this situation, given that the walking, the track is used instead and only for a few minutes, but research has shown that recess is extremely important to children's learning that free play is extremely valuable. Not just the time to take a break from classroom sitting and lessons, but it is also very important in building strong social and problem solving skills. And research also shows that the kids who tend to get in trouble in class are the ones that need this downtime, free play time the most. Through research, recess has been shown to be so important that some states have passed laws against using taking away research as a punishment. In California, it's against the ed code. So if your child is missing recess due to misbehavior in class, check your state laws and ed codes. I'll put up a link to some research about this and its detriments on the episode page at yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. Then you can click on the episode on rewards and punishments to find that link. In this matter, I let Tom know it was up to him if he wanted to bring this up with the teacher or school administration, that it is unrelated and punitive and not helpful in helping his daughter or any child learn better ways of behaving. The other thing I addressed was that I think it's highly likely that because his daughter had gotten in trouble several times for talking and was dealt with, with the public reprimand of pulling the crayon, that she may have started to see herself as a bad kid or the kid who gets in trouble and may have been acting out more because of this. She might have been thinking something like, if I'm always getting in trouble, I might as well do something worthy of getting in trouble. Now, I fully agree that this behavior is unacceptable and needs to be coached and dealt with. And I didn't have a good suggestion at the time I spoke with Tom on a related consequence for home. But now I would suggest for Tom or any other parent that encounters this type of behavior that figuring out a way to make amends to that other student would be a good way to handle it. Making a card that says, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, or bringing her a piece of art, or inviting her over for a playdate and baking cookies together. Anything that could build that bridge and help teach about making things better when we hurt someone's feelings are all great ways to teach this lesson. I've also added links to two other resources on the page for this podcast episode at yourvillageonline.com podcast. Again, click the link for this episode on rewards and punishments. The two additional resources are an article on positive methods that some schools have started using instead of detention and other punitive methods that have been hugely successful in curbing negative behaviors. The other is a well-written article on the downsides of rewards. So if you're interested in learning more, be sure to check those out. Next week, I'm off for Thanksgiving. And when I come back the following week, I'll be talking about ways to eliminate holiday stress. So we're just getting started in this time of year, which can be very busy and crazy. So some tips for keeping stress levels down that can help us all get through the season with more joy and less stress. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. I hope everyone has an enjoyable Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this episode and see you next time.